Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is True News, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help us God. Mysterious fires at food processing companies occurred in many places throughout 2022. This year, it is exploding grain silos. Is somebody trying to destabilize the world by disrupting the global food supply? Two large explosions have occurred in the past two weeks, one in Turkey the other in Brazil. Let's start with this spectacular explosion at a wheat silo in Turkey. As you see, this is a Turkish newspaper, Daily News headline, explosion in harbor silos, injures 12. Uh, Doc Burkhardt has uh, more information. And we'll have some video here in just a moment. An explosion has occurred at the Turkish grain board silo in the northwestern province of Caselis. Uh, Durant's Harbor injuring 12 people, according to the governor's office. The incident took place during the transfer of wheat from a ship to the TMO silo, as reported by Governor Sadar Yavuz. And no casualties were reported from being trapped under the wreckage. However, two of the injured individuals are in serious condition, he informed. The explosion's impact was felt throughout the city, prompting immediate dispatch of multiple response teams to the area. This is a very dramatic explosion, as you'll see in this video. explosion. Um, and what I found odd in that video, the guy on the, uh, was it a cart or a forklift? Forklift, forklift. He just kept slowly driving by and the two workers did not flinch, didn't run. Did you notice that? No, I, I didn't notice that. I was right. focused on the explosion there. I, we need to watch that again. Yeah, let's play it again and watch the people in the scene. Tell me if they look panicked. Now that's going to keep me up all night, Rick. Thank you very much. They didn't run <laughs> out the door to see what exploded. The guy on the forklift, he just was, <laughs> was tooling along. They said, hey, I got a lunch break here in a few minutes. I got to put this forklift down. That was strange. That was very strange. It was almost like they knew it was going to happen. 
I, I would have watched that a hundred times. I never would have noticed that. Okay. It's so weird. What now. would you have done if you were in that little guard shack when that silo exploded? If the explosion's over there, I'm heading there. Right. So. And if you were on a forklift, I jump I'd off the forklift something. and run. <laughs> right. It's odd. Very strange. But the explosion was powerful. You know. Doc, how many silos have you seen explode in your lifetime? Very rare. I mean, it, it's big news when a silo explodes. Uh, you'll hear some minor ones, uh, you know, occasionally, because mm -hmm. um, the wheat dust, you know, will or uh, grain dust will, uh, you know, catch on fire and everything. Right. But something that size, that's pretty incredible. But what's even more incredible is when you see several of them happen within a short period of time. Yes. Such as the story coming out in Brazil. This was just a few days ago, uh, about a week and a half ago. This is reported by Al Jazeera. Brazil grain silo explosions kill at least eight people, 11 injured. And so um, Al Jazeera says at least eight people have been killed and 11 others injured in southern Brazil when a grain silo exploded at an agriculture cooperative. One person remained missing on Thursday. This was back on the 27th a day after the explosion at the Seavale Cooperative in Palatina, about a, a city about 372 miles west of the Piranha state capital of Curitiba. Piranha is one of uh, Brazil's top grain producing states. There was an explosion in one of the silos that triggered a second and third. Piranha Fire Brigade spokesman Tiago Zajac told the Agents France Press News Agency. Video footage distributed on social media and Brazilian media showed a large column of white smoke coming from the site and Palatina residents reported feeling a tremor as windows in several homes were blown out. <clears throat> so two major grain silo explosions within a matter of less than two weeks. And so now watch for the third. <laughs> it's this sort of like the, you know, like you said, the food factories and then we had all the train derailments. Remember that? Yes. There are uh, several of those and now we're talking grain silos. Yes. And remember that, was it, uh, it wasn't Jordan. It was um, about a year and a half, two years ago, where they had the explosion, uh, where it looked like a nuclear bomb went off. Oh, that was in Lebanon. Yeah, Lebanon. That's right. And that was a grain elevator, too. Yes. And all that was left of the grain elevator was a crater. Yes. That and was that, it. And that story just disappeared. Right. Massive explosion. It was like an atomic bomb went off. I it, mean, it was it smoke going down the probably streets. Probably was. So. It probably was a tactical nuke. And, and that story disappeared. Uh, well, I, this next story, I think, is probably the best place to put it. This is number 10, Sky News. I, I read this uh, uh, yesterday. Food prices may never fall again. Never. Following Ukraine invasion, says the Bank of England chief economist. Never going to fall. It's just going to keep going up. That's it. And even if they don't go up, they're going to stabilize at the high prices and never go down. Right. Stuck. One thing, you know, when you listen to people on news channels talking about inflation, and they, they like I said yesterday, they're they're putting out the propaganda that they've they've whipped inflation. Mm -hmm. That hey, you know, inflation the, the the inflation numbers are much better than they were a year ago. But they're talking about the rate of inflation. Right. They're not talking about 
the price is rescinding. No. And that's what this uh, Bank of England chief economist is saying is, you, we're never going to go back to the prices of food just two years ago. Right, because inflation is going to remain a constant in this. So, well, food prices may not fall at all, the chief economist at the Bank of England has said. The cost of sustenance could still remain higher than it was before the invasion of Ukraine caused the rate of food prices to accelerate. He says, uh, unfortunately, the days of seeing food prices fall, that does not seem to be something that we may not be seeing for a little while yet, if in the future at all. That's come from you, Pill, the Bank of England's chief economist. Speaking at a Q&A on the cost of living, Mr. Pill said, even if the rate of food inflation slows, food will still be more expensive than it had been with the effects of food inflation going to take longer to dissipate. Um, now, notice that they say it's because of the invasion of Ukraine. Mm -hmm. um, so they're pinning it on Russia. It's all Russia's fault. Could uh, it, Russia's fault is the end of the world. Do you so, think years of quantitative easing may have had something to do with it? It had a bigger <laughs> factor in all of it. So, Well, those good folks over in Great Britain, they are preparing for the next pandemic. Here's Sky News. Disease X. UK scientists begin developing vaccines against new pandemic. Doctors so, are working on diseases that don't exist that don't yet. Exist, but they're going to have a vaccine for it, the uh, X vaccine. Yes. So this is right from the article here. UK scientists have begun developing vaccines as an insurance against a new pandemic caused by. Now, look, unknown disease X. That's because they haven't invented it yet. So uh, you start with the vaccine and then you work backwards. Yes, right? then so. you create the virus. So the work is being carried out at the government's high security Porton Down Laboratory Complex in Wiltshire by a team of more than 200 scientists. So you know it's a big one that they're working on. The same, the same group that released hoof and mouth disease about 15, 18 years ago in Great Britain. And probably framed those Russian guys that yeah. were wandering around town mm -hmm. uh, a couple years ago. Now they've drawn up a threat list of animal viruses that are capable of infecting humans and could in future spread rapidly around the world. Which of them will break through and trigger the next pandemic is unknown, which is why it's referred to only as Disease X. The Vaccine Development and Evaluation Center at Porton Down has been expanded to take on this work. Now, originally it was focused on COVID and testing the effectiveness of vaccines against new variants, but scientists at the center are now involved in monitoring several high-risk pathogens, including bird flu, monkeypox, hantavirus, and that's a disease spread by rodents. Um, Rick, uh, it, it's interesting. I saw this article very early this morning, and uh, it, it, you have, sometimes you just have to laugh out loud when you see stuff like Except this. Except it's deadly. Right, because disease X, we don't even know what to call it yet. But what I did see interesting in the article earlier this morning is that, you know what, we were working on COVID, but we got a bigger disease now. Mm -hmm. Disease X is coming. Mm -hmm. So we got to put all these guys that were hard at work in COVID yes. because COVID's not a problem anymore, right? That's right. So now we need to work on disease X. That means it's going to be meaner and uglier and nastier than COVID. And it will become the uh, justification for the World Health Organization to activate its new global emergency powers that it's seeking. Which we've signed on to agree to 
without signing a treaty or an agreement That's in right. any way. That's so, right. We have a couple of uh, uh, news clips here explaining Disease X. Uh, this first one's from Sky News. Uh, Disease X, UK scientists begin developing vaccines against a new pandemic. Watch this. I'm standing in one of the most secure biological research centres in the country. This is Porton Down in Wiltshire. It's part of the UK Health Security Agency and it's very rare to be allowed through the high fences, the gates, into the labs themselves. But they're very keen to show off their new vaccine development and evaluation centre. It started work during the COVID pandemic. They were the ones who were testing uh, vaccines against new variants of the virus that were cropping up on a regular basis around the world. But they're now extending that work to look out for what might be the next pandemic. They don't know what it will be, a virus or a bacteria or some other pathogen, so it's just called disease X. And there are a number of candidates that they're already looking at. Avian influenza is one of those things. Bird flu, which has already, as we know, been sweeping around the country in the wild bird population, causing huge numbers of deaths now, this summer, but has also infected four people. They're all well, but it does underline the threat that this is a potential risk to humans at some point in the future. They're also looking at things like monkeypox. Again, to develop a vaccine and another early success from the work they're doing here has been something called Crimean Congo hemorrhagic fever that's a really esoteric disease for now but they believe that it might be a risk in the future it's spread by ticks uh, and causes uh, mortality in around 30 percent of people and with climate change it's moving north through Europe and that's why they're trying to get ahead and underlines what they do here. They're scanning the horizon for threats to try and develop vaccines that might be needed in the future. They'll take them so far, they'll have them on the shelf, if you like, and if there is an outbreak, they can take them down and try and develop a vaccine within 100 days. Now, bear in mind that it took 360 days to develop a COVID vaccine, and that was extraordinarily quick. Next time, they're gonna go quicker still because COVID really taught us that a pandemic really can spread around the globe very quickly. Yes, especially a manufactured one, so. Also, Doc, in that uh, Sky News uh, report, uh, their correspondent, he's the science correspondent, Thomas Moore, uh, he mentioned climate change. Yes. These diseases are being expanded through the world because of climate change. Yes, so it's, it's our fault because yes. we eat meat and drive cars. Yes. So they're now connecting the fake science of climate change mm -hmm. with the fake vaccines. They're, they're, they're merging the two. You have to be vaccinated because climate change has caused this disease to spread. We have another clip from Sky News, and this is Professor Dame Jenny Harries, and she she is a head of the uh, UK Health Security Agency. She also mentions climate change. Let's watch. The background to COVID, what we're seeing is a rising risk globally. Now, some of that is because of things like urbanisation, where you may get uh, species jumping, so virus jumping from, as we've seen with uh, bird flu, uh, into humans. Some of it is because of climate change. So this is a growing risk agenda, um, it, but then it's one that we can use our science actively to uh, prevent human impact. 
So she uh, heard two things there. She blamed urbanization and, of, of course, climate change again. So uh, they've been, for 100 years now, they've been trying to get people to live in cities. And now they're telling you, oh, because you live in a city, that's causing problems now. Well, they're going to put you in a 15-minute city. Right. For climate change. Purposes. For climate change purposes. Uh, another story I found today just that caught my attention said, okay, maybe there's nothing to it, but it's kind of weird. It's, it fits in the World War III category, task news agency. Putin submits to Duma amendments to rule, or to, amendments to rules of notifying Council of Europe of martial law. All right, so let's walk everyone through this. The Russian President Vladimir Putin is submitting to the State Duma draft amendments to the procedure of notifying the UN and the Council of Europe in the event of the introduction or termination of martial law or state of emergency in Russia. All right, so that's where we're starting the story out here. All right, so what that so what to me that says that Russia has a legal obligation to notify the UN and the Council of Europe of the introduction of martial law. If, if he declares martial law in Russia. He's, or, or any portion of or Russia. Or any portion. He's obligated by the treaties that they've signed with the UN and the Council of Europe. Russia is obligated to notify uh, those, those organizations that martial law is being implemented or terminated in Russia. All right, so Toss goes on to say, the amendments proposed to our pro are proposed to Article 22 of the Law on Martial Law and Article 37 of the Law on the State of Emergency. The content of the amendments has not been published yet, but it may be related to Russia's withdrawal from the Council of Europe. Now, Article 22 of the Law on Martial Law currently states that in case of martial law is imposed on the territory of Russia or in some of its localities, the Russian president shall take measures to notify the UN Secretary General and inform the Secretary General of the Council of Europe of Russia's derogation from its obligations under international treaties related to the restriction of the rights and freedoms of citizens. Now, the first thing that came to my mind, Rick, was that uh, there might be a possibility that he's considering or Russia's considering declaring martial law on those uh, breakaway provinces of Ukraine. I think they already have. So I think they, I think they are already under martial law. Um, so is this just an administrative procedure? They're just changing the rules and going through the motion. You know, we often say the Russians are very meticulous about obeying whatever rules that they have committed themselves to with international treaties. Right. So is he getting ready to declare martial law in Russia? Is he expecting something that would require him to declare martial law, like all-out war? Are they going through the procedures, checking off the boxes, we did this, we did this, we did it all the legal way, but we know that this winter we're going to be in war with NATO. Is that what he's thinking? I don't know. I just watch for these things. It is an unusual story, isn't it? Yes. I watch for these things. Just like yesterday we mentioned about Biden activating reserves. 
So um, I, I received an email today from one of our uh, True News uh, partners who said um, their daughter was in the Navy Reserves and was mm -hmm. activated to duty. To full duty? Yes. Oh, really? Wasn't a muster to report for medical. It was activate to duty. So something's going on. So whenever you see these stories about martial law, calling up troops, there's only one conclusion you can come to. War. War. Next story. Um, number 23. This is uh, from Crypto Newsflash. Okay. Uh, BRICS summit to explore cross-border transactions with local currencies aiming to reduce reliance on the U.S. dollar. And, and, and so, Doc, what I think uh, is going to happen, you know, the BRICS meeting is uh, August 22nd to 24th. Just two weeks away, yes. Um, remember months ago they said that they were going to announce... Well, somebody said that the BRICS countries were going to announce a gold-backed global currency. Well, that was the, the news a couple of months ago. But Dmitry Peskov last week said that at this summit, we're not going to release a new yes. currency, but yes. we're going to be talking about so it. So they started to walk that back. Right. They started to walk it back. Two, several of the bigger countries, I think India and Brazil, said, whoa, let's, let's slow down. We're not ready for that yet. Um, they're not ready for a f total new currency to challenge the dollar. But they are willing to get away from the dollar. Yes. That's the big news. Yes. So what this is saying is that they, what they're going to announce is that they're going to be doing their tr transactions. All these countries that want to um, get away from the dollar will begin doing their, their trades in their local currencies. So Brazil and let's say Brazil and Russia doing trades, there'll be no dollars involved. India and China doing trades, no, no dollars involved. That's the, that's the change that's coming in August. Now they might surprise us and they, maybe they walked it back to try to lower the, Expectation. the expectations as possible. There's another possibility, and that is that they announce a, a global currency for international transactions. Something you and I, we wouldn't have access to the currency. But, uh, but international so, banks would have, and governments, right. entities that move billions of dollars might have a new currency. Uh, that might happen. At, at the BRICS meeting. This is again coming up August 22nd through the 24th in South Africa. So this, uh, this next story, uh, BRICS summit, exploring a new currency and possible de-dollarization. And uh, it says that talks, talk of developing a new BRICS currency to minimize the dominance of the U.S. dollar is gaining momentum as leaders from Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, a group known collectively as BRICS, gear up for their economic block summit from August 22nd 
to the 24th in South Africa. And as you mentioned, Rick, one of the main topics on the agenda, other than the group's expansion, and we talked about uh, 23 countries yesterday that have made formal requests to join, is a push to conduct more trade among BRICS nations in local currencies and reduce the reliance on the U.S. dollar. And of course, one of the main players in all of this is Brazil. And uh, just a few days ago, Brazil's President Lula spoke that we need to move away from the dollar. Now, this, uh, this video, uh, he's, he's speaking Portuguese. There are English subtitles. I apologize to those who listen to True News by audio and you're not, you're not watching the video. I'm sorry, this, is a, this video is a, almost two minutes long. Uh, you're only going to hear President Lula speaking in Portuguese. But the, the rest of you, read carefully the English subtitles. Listen, absorb what this leader the president of Brazil is saying to other nations about the change that is coming very soon to the world in terms of what currencies are used for transactions. Here it is. Nós vamos discutir a entrada de novos países e eu sou da opinião que quanto mais países quiserem entrar, se tiverem o cumprimento das regras que nós estamos estabelecendo, Nós vamos aceitar a entrada dos países. Os senhores e senhoras, para o nosso país. Todos e todas têm acompanhado. A... Então, a palavra, então, o presidente da República, Luiz já Inácio para Lula. Ucrânia, já, viajou para, já viajou para a Arábia Saudita. E todo mundo sabe que eu defendo a ideia de que a gente tenha uma moeda própria para fazer comércio entre os países. Eu tenho dito publicamente, por que, que o Brasil precisa de dólar para fazer comércio com a China? A gente pode fazer as nossas moedas. Por que, que o Brasil precisa de dólar para fazer comércio com a Argentina? A segunda coisa é que eu acho que o Banco dos BRICS tem que ser mais eficaz e mais generoso do que o FMI. Ou seja, o banco, o banco ele existe para ajudar a salvar países e não para ajudar a fundar países. Porque é o que o FMI faz muitas vezes. And he's right about that. The question he asks is why does Brazil need dollars to do transactions with other countries? We've we've come to the place the world. The world has come to the place in 2023 that National leaders are asking this question, why do we need the dollar? And they're realizing they don't. Right. They don't need it. And currency historically has always been tied to the dominance of the world power that exists at that time. It was, you know, for a while it was the Portuguese and it, then it was mm -hmm. France, then it was England. And now it's the U.S. And now we see the dollar on the decline. Does that mean that the West, particularly the U.S., is also in decline. I think, yes, yes absolutely. Absol yeah, so. absolutely it is. Absolutely. Um, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and, and I remember when, Doc, it was uh, the first week of January 2010. Uh, I was on a fast, and about the third day of the fast, the Holy Spirit gave me a lot of revelation about 
things for this ministry, my life, um, the world. And I remember the Holy Spirit telling me that America's influence, power, wealth would decline. And it wouldn't, and I remember the Holy Spirit saying, it will not go to one nation, but it will be distributed to many nations. I remember that clearly. That one nation is not going to become as powerful as America has been. It's not going to be China. It's not going to be Russia. If I heard the Holy Spirit correctly, none of these other countries are going to match America's power and prestige and, and wealth. But America's wealth and power and prestige and influence is going to be dispersed throughout the world to many countries. And collectively, they will. Collectively, uh, yes. Outgun us. Collectively, out. they will. So that was 2010. So that's uh, 13 years. And it's happened. America's influence and power and prestige and wealth has eroded, and it is being dispersed to many nations around the world. And uh, it was during that fast, it was on that day, that the Holy Spirit said, there's coming a day I'm going to put you back into a business suit. Right. I remember that. Well, that day has arrived. That day has arrived. Because that change is taking place in my life this year, which I'm going to talk to you tomorrow. Make sure you watch True News. I'm going to start showing you where we're going, what we're doing. Um, but he, he, the Holy Spirit told me in January 2010, I'm going to change the direction of your life. I'm going to put you back into a business suit. I remember he said, uh, some people will criticize you and say that you've uh, walked away from ministry. Don't listen to them. Don't pay them heed. You know what you're doing. Uh, you're following my instructions. But you're going to have to operate differently. Holy Spirit said there's coming a day. It's going to be very difficult and dangerous to be a minister of the gospel. And in January 2010, Doc, I thought he was talking about in other countries. I didn't know he meant in the USA. <laughs> right. No, he was referring to the USA. Um, and I believe that decline is going to continue. So you and I have to learn to operate. We have to live and operate in a, like we're living in a foreign pagan country. Just think of it as, instead of being upset and angry and depressed about what has happened to our country, I went through all that. Went through all those emotions for years. Then I came to the place where I realized the Lord was saying, just act like I sent you as a missionary to a foreign pagan country. How would you act? How would you exist? How would you function if you were a foreigner in a pagan country? I think I had somewhat of an advantage in that because I lived outside the country for several years. And then when I came back... You were in a pagan country. Right. It was like... It, it was a whole different country. It was a mm -hmm. whole different America. Mm -hmm. uh, things had so radically changed in, in just a few years that I didn't recognize things. And I think that was my 
yes. transition, that final transition there. And so, right. and even to this day, you know, I, I consider myself a missionary right. in America. So now you're a missionary here. So um, we are citizens of the kingdom of God. And we have to stop thinking of ourselves as citizens of a particular country. We are citizens of the kingdom and our responsibility is to colonize the country that we're in. We are to colonize this country. We have been placed here, but we have people watching us who are in other countries. We have a very diverse audience. Yes. If you don't believe me, just uh, log in to Morning Manna. Yes. At 8 a.m. Eastern, and just count the countries. Right. We have Italy and Belgium and France and Japan and Australia. Germany, yeah. They're all over the world. So we can't speak of ourselves as Americans or Europeans or Latinos. We are the body of Christ, and we are citizens of the kingdom of God, and we physically live in various countries, but they are not our home. Our home is New Jerusalem. That's where we're headed. We're headed home to New Jerusalem. And our responsibility is to, is to influence the country that we're in with the laws and the principles and the language and the customs of our King, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's where the church has been failing for, for many decades in this country. We've lost our saltiness, and we're not affecting the society. When we get back to the news, uh, Moody's, the uh, credit rating agency, has cut the credit rating of 10 banks in the U.S. and has uh, put some big names on a downgrade watch. Yes. Everybody got to pay attention to that. So when 10 big banks get their credit ratings cut. So uh, this article from CNBC says Moody's cut the credit ratings of a host of small and mid-sized U.S. banks late Monday and placed several big Wall Street names on their negative review. The, the firm lowered the ratings of 10 banks by one rung, while major lenders Bank of New York Mellon, U.S. Bancorp, State Street, Truist Financial, formerly SunTrust, Cullen Frost Bankers, and Northern Trust are now under review for a potential downgrade. Moody's also changed its outlook to negative for 11 banks, including Capital One, Citizens Financial, and Fifth Third Bank Corp. Among the smaller lenders receiving an official ratings downgrade were M&T Bank, Pinnacle Financial, BOK Financial, and Webster Financial. Financial. And this comes on the heels of, I believe it was a week, week and a half ago, where Moody's downgraded uh, Israel's uh, banking system. Yes. Uh, as so, this is happening not just here. Happened. Yes. Uh, Moody's did that to Israel. And Moody, well. the reason for Israel is because of the political unrest in right. Israel under Netanyahu. Uh, a similar story, not on bank ratings, but on the state of the of the world economy. This was Financial Times, London. Chinese exports suffer the worst fall since the start of the pandemic in 2020. Right. So, Doc, something dramatic is happening in China economically. They're slowing down and it's drastic. So uh, China's exports and imports fell more sharply than expected in July, adding to a prolonged trade slump that is fueling concerns over growth prospects for the world's second largest economy. 
Exports declined by 14.5% on uh, the year in dollar terms, uh, the steepest fall since the outset of the coronavirus pandemic in February 2020. Imports tumbled 12.4%, the biggest decline since a wave of infections hit the mainland in January and one of the worst in recent years. Now, manufacturing activity has also contracted for four straight months, according to purchasing managers' indices, reflecting a weaker export environment and undercutting one of the anticipated engines of China's economic recovery. July's unexpectedly severe fall in imports also demonstrated how disappointing domestic consumption was fueling trade concerns more than half a year after COVID-19 swept through the country. Um, the imports data was pretty bad, said Julian Anvers Prichard, head of China Economics at Capital Economics. On our estimates, pretty much all of the recovery in import volume since the start of the year was unwound in July, which is concerning to say the least, and suggests the domestic picture was weakening quite rapidly in the last month or two. Now, what you need to take away from this is both imports and exports yes. declined. Now, people might be asking, Doc, uh, why do I care about the Chinese economy? That's their problem. Here's what we take out of it. If the United States is the biggest customer of Chinese products, then the sharp decline in Chinese exports to America means that there is a sharp decline in business activity in America. In other words, American consumers are buying less products made in China. Right. And then the Chinese have less capital, have less money to work at to buy foreign goods, which means you have the drop in imports. It's which, a cycle that winds itself down. But also what I see, Doc, is the, the possibility of political instability in China. Yes, if this continues at, at some rate, if we look at August and September and we still see these kind of decline in numbers year over year, it could mean trouble for Mr. Xi. Yes, uh, he, could, he could have civil unrest in China. If factories start closing, people are out of work, and there's political instability in a country of what, 1.3 billion people, uh, and what do politicians do when countries are unstable? Well, they go to war. They go to war. It's the way to get the people's minds off the economy and get them united on a, another enemy. And that's, where, that's why I'm telling you what's going on in the Chinese economy. Uh, while we're on the war subject, CNN reporting, and, and we're seeing now a shift in the American European news media reporting on the war. Western allies receive increasingly sobering updates on Ukraine's counteroffensive. This is the most difficult time of the war, says one. Well, if they'd been watching True News, we would have given them a more realistic appraisal of what's been going on Weeks in ago, Ukraine. Weeks ago, months ago. So, uh, so they, they are now realizing the great Ukrainian counteroffensive was a dud. It didn't work. Now what? what are you, what's the West going to do now? Where do they go? Do they, do they pull out of Ukraine and let Zelensky on his own, which he's going to collapse immediately? Or do they go all the way and go to war with Russia? That's where they're at right now. Because they're, they're much valued 
uh, counteroffensive, everything that they sent, the billions of dollars, the weapons, it's all, it's all been wiped out by the Russians. Yes. So uh, this article says, weeks into Ukraine's highly anticipated counteroffensive, Western officials describe increasingly sobering assessments about Ukrainian forces' ability to retake significant territory. Four senior U.S. and Western officials briefed on the latest intelligence told CNN. They're still going to see for the next couple of weeks if there is a chance of making some progress. But for them to really make progress, that would change the balance of this conflict. I think it's extremely highly unlikely, a senior Western diplomat told CNN. Our briefings are sobering. We're reminded of the challenges they face, and that's coming from Representative Mike Quigley, an Eldarian Democrat who recently returned from meetings in Europe with U.S. commanders training Ukrainian armored forces. This is the most difficult time of the war. Um, I don't really think they've sobered up yet. Uh, the sobering is coming because uh, things were rolling down to a crawl in that offensive, as we'll see in this CNN report. Ukrainian officials say heavy Russian defenses have slowed their month-long counteroffensive to a crawl and are now urging patience from Western allies. A senior Ukrainian official says an insane number of Russian landmines, up to five per square kilometer in some parts, is one reason for the slow going. Clearing those minefields is slow and deadly and dangerous work and it's being done now by foot. That same official notes there's no deadlines to break through those fortified defensive lines. Meantime, Kyiv says Russia is bringing more battle-ready forces to the city of Bakhmut to try and prevent further Ukrainian gains. Also, the Russians are trying to push, along, push back on the front lines as well, but the Ukrainian president says they will not get anywhere. Well, one other factor is they're running out of soldiers in Ukraine because mm-hmm. they're dying. Because I mean, they're stepping on those mines. Right. Uh, the estimates are that up to upwards of 300,000 Ukrainians have have died as a result of all of this. How many more are going to have to die? Uh, because they're going to keep pushing them on, <laughs> on those landmines. I mean, what a horrible job that would be. It is. But, but at some point, Zelensky will run out of men willing to go to the front lines and live for two hours. Because as I said yesterday, that's the life expectancy, two hours, once you're on the front lines. How'd you like to have that job of searching for the mines? Hmm. I, 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 my heart couldn't handle it. And so now if, if all else fails, uh, imagine imaginary weapons, <laughs> uh, things that don't exist and trying to sell that story out, uh, out there. Uh, Judge Napolitano was talking to uh, ex-CIA uh, analyst uh, Larry Johnson about a recent comment that uh, Vladimir Zelensky made about a mysterious sky shield that Ukraine supposedly has. A sky shield, yeah. And, and then he, Judge uh, Napolitano has a, a video clip of Zelensky talking. It's a very strange video. I, I'm assuming that it has a computer-generated AI voiceover of Zelensky because it's not Zelensky's voice and it's, it's, it's at a very rapid speeded up pace. It's, it's a, it's, it has an unusual tone to it. Uh, but you'll hear Zelensky talk about his sky shield as though he's got this secret weapon. He hasn't deployed it yet. Any day he's going to bring out the sky shield and stop the Russian missiles that are coming in. Right. Uh, but then listen to, to what uh, 
Mr. Johnson, again, as the doc said, a uh, retired CIA analyst, listen to what he said about uh, how the war is going for NATO and Ukraine. I want to play a, a clip of President Zelensky. There's an English translation. It's an odd translation. It may be computerized. Uh, I can't really tell. Uh, but in it, he uses a, a phrase that I've never heard him use before, at least when translated into English. The phrase is sky shield. So as, as you watch this, Larry, please think to yourself, did I miss something? Is there a sky shield over Ukraine? Watch this. In this week alone, Russian terrorists have already used 65 different missiles and 178 attack drones against us, included 87 Shahids. We managed to shut down a significant number of them. We will do our best to make the Ukrainian sky shield only stronger. Here in our skies, we can prove that terror is losing. Altogether, we can prove it, all partners. The responsible position of each partner in supplying air defense systems and missiles to them is very important. Complete protection against terror is needed here. Ukraine can win this battle and our sky shield will eventually guarantee security for the whole of Europe. We are equally eager to see F-16 jets in action in Ukrainian skies as soon as possible. Political spin, hogwash, intentional deception. What, what is he talking about? Well, let's remember he is a comedian by trade and history and has been involved with film. So this may be his new material he's trying out in hopes that he has something to do uh, after his presidency is over. You know, look, the Sky Shield is just, uh, I guess it's Ukrainian for Israeli Iron Dome, except it doesn't exist. And the continued insistence that Ukraine is shooting down a whole raft of uh, Russian missiles from hypersonic to conventional missiles, it's just nonsense. It's not happening. And what, had, what has transpired, particularly over the last four months, is uh, almost the complete destruction of Ukraine's air defense system so that Russia fixed-wing aircraft now can fly unmolested or virtually unmolested throughout Ukraine. And uh, again, Ukraine has no answer for it. And on top of that, the United States and, and NATO have no answer for it. You remember all the talk about Patriot missile batteries several months ago? Right. Boy, people have been mum about that. And why? Because they've proven, number one, that the United States does not have enough to supply. And number two, they have not been effective in theater in defeating the Russian threat. So two things to mm -hmm. think about there. They don't have enough. And the stuff they do get from us ain't working. That's right. At some point, the Ukrainians are going to realize they've been used by NATO. As Zelensky, I was thinking, dog, his, his outfits. He, he, he wears the same green outfit. He's been wearing it for two years. I hope he washes it. <laughs> um, Sometimes he adds a sweater to it. Yeah, I'm wondering so. if he, he, he bought it at a Fidel Castro garage sale. I mean, that's what it looks like. Like he got some hand-me-downs from Fidel Castro. Like a communist army uh, used uh, yeah. clothing stores. But it's his costume that was given to him from the CIA. It's his costume. Right. He's in costume. He's an actor, and he's in costume. And he's following the script. And he's following the script. Uh, but uh, this, this is coming to a sad ending for him. 
Um, I watched uh, more of that interview that uh, Judge Napolitano did with Larry Johnson, and Johnson said something uh, uh, later on that caught my attention. He said, the difference between the West and the Russians is the Russians are learning. And that's why you'll see every three months an, up, an upgrade. They'll rotate out personnel, rotate out equipment. Uh, the Russians make mistakes, but they learn from their mistakes and they don't repeat them. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was an interesting comment because we keep making the same mistakes over and over again. We think if we keep throwing weapons and keep throwing money, uh, you know, that we will eventually beat the Russians. But the Russians are learning all we have to do is advance. Yes. Follow the rule of law. Right. Don't break the rule of law, but we learn. And so, and the West continues to put out the propaganda that Russia is on the verge of collapse. Right. And you, you have to wonder, are Western leaders actually believing their own propaganda? Have they deceived themselves into believing that Russia is collapsing? Just wait till the end of August. We'll see if they're collapsing. I'm talking about the BRICS summit. Right. Uh, but you have so many, so many Americans. Uh, you know, uh, Eddie, our staff member, was telling me today about how many. YouTubers, you know, news wannabes, you know, you know reporters doing, you know, uh, doing their YouTube blog shows, you know, and he's, he said there's, there's so many of them that are just pumping out every day propaganda, which right. they believe, and that is, hey, guys, guess what? The Ukrainians used American weapons today to shoot down 50 Russian jets and helicopters, you know, he, they're just putting this stuff out and the Americans are listening to the stuff and believing it. It's propaganda. The real war is a meat grinder and it's blood and guts. And Ukraine has been destroyed. It's destroyed. They haven't destroyed Kiev yet. But where the war is at, the country's been destroyed. The utilities have been blown up, bridges are blown up landmines everywhere, cities destroyed. So what is Zelensky getting out of this other than a very big foreign bank account? But he, he's got to get out of the country alive to live on that money. Right. You know he's siphoning off money. You know he's, I mean, we're talking Ukraine. You know that they're siphoning off money. They were, they were doing it before 2014, and they were doing it after 2014. They're just managed by the U.S. And then you point. have to ask how much money have the Bidens siphoned off? Why, doesn't, why don't the Republicans ask these questions? Well, because the Republicans want the war. If they question whether Biden was siphoning off money, they would stop the war. That's right. So yeah. the Republicans can't stop the war. So they focus on China. Right. And the blame on that and everything, when really the big story is in Ukraine. That's right. But they can't talk about it. They Ukraine. can't. Uh, next story is New York Post. And retired uh, Army Lieutenant General Keith Kellogg used to work for former Vice President Mike Pence. He was his national security advisor. Well, yesterday he endorsed Donald Trump and said, Mike Pence 
is not fit to be the president. That's right, Rick. Dog, that's devastating. Yes. Your national security advisor says, I don't want that man. The man I work for, I don't want him in the White House. Yes. So the one-time national security advisor to former Vice President Mike Pence is backing former President Donald Trump in 2024, saying Pence is unworthy of the presidency. Retired Army Lieutenant General Keith Kellogg announced in a true social post Monday night that the former Indiana governor lacks the decisive leadership of his former running mate, which is what Republican voters want. President Donald J. Trump stands apart as a figure of unwavering determination, a deep vision for America, and the courage to take a stand where others wilt. Kellogg said, while President Trump has consistently put America first, prioritizing our citizens, our economy, and global standing, Mr. Pence's actions have often seemed more focused on political maneuvering and maintaining his image, he said. Where President Trump is bold and unafraid to challenge the status quo, Pence has often chosen the passive route, avoiding confrontation, he said. This lack of assertiveness combined with over-reliance on failed political consultants like Mark Short has demonstrated a laissez-faire leadership style unworthy of the presidency. And uh, so this is a man that worked with Mike Pence day by day by day over several years. And he came to the conclusion, this is not my president. Right. So think, uh, consider that. Not worthy of the presidency. Because he knows Mike Pence. Look, what's the general consensus among Republicans about Mike Pence? He's a wimp. And yet, if Mr. Trump wasn't in the picture, he is in the picture, but if Mr. Trump wasn't in the picture, Mr. Pence would probably be one of the darlings for the GOP at this point. Yeah, but he'd, he would not be as the vice president. Right. He would have been the former governor of Indiana. And what did he do as the governor of Indiana? He sold out the Christians. He pulled the rug out from under the feet of the Christians. He they sure took did. a stand for... Christian values in Indiana, and Mike Pence put a knife in their back. Yes. That's the day I made up my mind. I don't want anything to do with Mike Pence. To me, he's, he's a coward. And he, he, he's a wimp, and he takes care of himself. And he misquotes scripture, too. And he, yes. And I've heard him do it twice, in person. Yes, and he, uh, he's a status He's part of the establishment. His loyalty is to the deep state. He's a deep state boy all the way down to the bone. He is not going to challenge the deep state on anything. He's all war. He's all Zionism. He's yes. everything. It's whatever they want, he's going to Indeed, deliver. He's checked the box. He's going to give it to them. Well, hey, let's talk about Nancy Pelosi. She did an interview in the New York Magazine, and she said the indictment is beautiful. That was the word she used. Beautiful, Doc. She said it's just a beautiful thing. The, <laughs> this is a quote, these are two quotes from the, from the interview with Nancy Pelosi. This is Nancy talking. The indictments against the president are exquisite. Pelosi added, referring to both the latest set of charges and the earlier federal indictment over Trump's hoarding of classified documents at Mar-a-Lago and his efforts to obstruct investigators. Quote, 
They're beautiful and intricate. And they're probably, and they probably have a better chance of conviction than anything that I would come up with. Doc, I think Pelosi was very active and very involved behind the scenes with Jack Smith and the Department of Justice. Oh, I, I think she played a role in it. What she's saying is, Jack Smith came up with something better than what I could come up with. That's right. I tried twice to convict him and didn't get him. She goes on to say, uh, as for the uh, prospects of a second Trump term, Pelosi immediately recoiled when I, the, the reporter, brought it up. Quote, don't even think of that, she told me. Don't think of the world being on fire. It cannot happen or we will not be the United States of America. If he were to be the president, it would be a criminal enterprise in the White House. Hmm. Well, what's in the White House right now? The Biden crime family. Ron DeSantis, he said this uh, yesterday or the day before, I guess on Sunday, uh, yeah, Sunday, NBC News. They, uh, they pressured him, grilled him, and... Uh, he, he caved. Yes. Uh, he caved. Ron DeSantis caved. The NBC uh, reporter was pressuring him. Did Donald Trump win or lose the election? Was the election rigged? And Governor DeSantis finally said, Joe Biden won. It wasn't rigged. He won. That tells me that our dear governor of Florida doesn't have the courage to confront the criminal enterprise in this country that's stealing elections. The Republicans are afraid. They're afraid of the news media. When are they going to learn that the news media will never be nice to them? Right. Never, ever will the news media be nice to them. You can't placate them. You can't appease them. There's nothing that you say that will make them like you and help you. Get in their face and challenge them but don't back down and be like a little puppy dog shaking in the corner thinking if you say what they want they won't beat you with the newspaper <laughs> literally because he was ready to pee on the floor so here's a video clip from that NBC interview if the election is a referendum on Joe Biden's policies and the failures that we've seen, and we are presenting a positive vision for the future, we will win the presidency uh, and we will have a chance to turn the country around. If, on the other hand, uh, the election is not about January 20th, 2025, but January 6th, 2021, or what document was left by the toilet at Mar-a-Lago, if it's a referendum on that, we are going to lose. But and that's Trump just the, the reality. Race, you know with Trump in the race, that is largely what it's going to be about. And right now, and you're not, not fighting against not, Joe that's, Biden. That's you're not, fighting against that's Trump. Not a, that's not a pathway for success for the Republican Party. I think a lot of our voters understand that. Yes or no, did Donald Trump lose the 2020 election? Whoever puts their hand on the Bible on January 20th every four years uh, is the winner. Okay, but respectfully... 
you did not clearly answer that question. And if you can't give a yes or no because on whether or not Trump lost, then how well, can of course, you... No, of, of course he lost. Uh, Trump uh, lost the 2020 of, election. Of course. Okay. Uh, Joe Biden's the president. Mr. DeSantis isn't going to challenge him. He is not going to say the Democrats are corrupt and would rig elections. If you're afraid to say it now, you're going to be afraid to say it next year. It's the way it is. Of course they're going to scream if you say they rigged the election. Of course they're going to scream. When you catch thieves in your house... Stealing stuff. Stealing, they, they scream. Are you saying thieves broke into your house and stole something from you? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, whoever is still in the house later, they're the loser. For four years, the Democrats said Putin hacked the election. Right. 2016, Putin hacked the election. Which meant that 2016 was an illegitimate election, according yes. to the Democrats. So if Putin hacked the election in 2016, that means... He got inside the Dominion voting machines. There's no other alternative. The Democrats and the news media said for four years, Putin hacked the 2016 election. The only way you could hack the election, if that's true, is that Russian spies got inside the Dominion voting machines and switched the votes to Trump. But Dominion has assured us that it is impossible for anybody to get inside their voting machines. And if you say somebody got in it, they will sue you. So why hasn't Dominion sued Hillary Clinton? She said Putin hacked the election. She questioned the validity of the 2016 election. She sowed distrust in the American people's minds about the integrity of the election. But now, if you say the 2020 election was rigged, they're going to put you in prison for just saying it. Where's Lynn Wood? What did they do to Lynn Wood? They stripped him of his law license. His law license. They, they, they forced him to put in writing that he would never practice law in any state of the union the rest of his life. They're about to do the same thing to Rudy Giuliani. They're doing the same thing to Sidney Powell in Texas. In fact, I just read today a Dallas Morning News editorial that they were, that the editors of the Dallas Morning News were furious. I don't know if the editorial was written today. I read it this morning. They were furious that the courts of Texas have not stripped Sidney Powell of her law license yet. 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 They were demanding it be done. For what? For saying that the elections were rigged. So Ron DeSantis doesn't have the courage to challenge the crooks. He made a mistake getting in the race. I really thought he was going to do better. His poll numbers, if you believe in the polls, his poll numbers right now are 50% lower 
than where they were at in March. I'll throw you a, a poll out that in the state of Ohio right now, DeSantis is polling behind Vivek Ramaswamy. Mm-hmm. If you don't win Ohio, right. you're, you're out. You've got yeah. to win Ohio. I, I think Ron DeSantis, I don't think he'll make it to the end of the year. I think he'll be one of the first dropouts because he's running out of money. And staff. And staff. He's well, laid off a bunch. Of, well, when you run out of money, you have to lay off staff. And so. his number one fundraiser yes. left. I, was it uh, earlier this week or right. late last week? So, uh, But his number one money guy yeah. is no longer with so, DeSantis. Uh, he needs to come back to Tallahassee, go back to being the best governor of, of America. and But he's damaged his political uh, standing with this race. He's a young man. He's in his 40s. He could have waited out this election. Right. He could have been the next, he could have been the Republican JFK. Yes. In fact, he kind of was framing himself that way. He should have stayed out of this race, but the damage has been done. Uh, Senator Mitch McConnell um, spoke at a, 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 is that a Catholic church uh, picnic? It's uh, the, the, Let's see, I want to get it right. It's the Fancy Farm Picnic. I, th- I think it's St. Jerome Catholic Church in, in Kentucky. And they have this annual picnic. I think it's been going on for uh, over 100 years, if I, if I know my history right. Um, it's an event that if you're a politician in Kentucky, you have to go to it. Well, Mitch McConnell went to it on Saturday. And this is the reaction he received from his fellow citizens of Kentucky. Watch this. I just told, uh, I just told David Beck his introduction is longer than my speech. Elaine and I are really excited to be back at Fancy Farm on behalf of the strongest Republican team we've ever run in our state. For those of you who keep count, this is my 28th fancy farm. My 28th fancy farm. I want to thank uh, Father Venters and Stephen Elder for finding a way to keep fancy farm going, even with pork prices going through the roof. Thanks to the Kentucky State Police and local law enforcement. We're keeping folks safe this weekend. Now, here's here's the challenge for the police. Here's the challenge for the police. With the shutdown governor in charge, I'm sure state troopers are just glad to be on church property without having to tag license plates. My friends, I'll be honest. It's not hard for Republicans to look good these days. We're up against the folks who gave you record high inflation. Well, that's brutal. Mitch McConnell is old enough. He's been in politics long enough to know when the public has turned against you. Something's happened this year, Doc. He was reelected to a six-year term. Was it last year? 
or 2020, I think last year. No, last year, yes. He couldn't get reelected if he had to run this year. The people of Kentucky have turned against him. Something's, something's different this year. Politicians are being booed off the stages. People are angry. They're fed up with it. They're just fed up with it. And Mitch McConnell needs to resign and retire. He should just exit gracefully. He knows the people are against him. They, they never stop booing. No. It was nonstop. They never stopped booing. In this other video, the, the crowd began chanting, retire, retire. Here it is. Hey, one more story. Elon Musk, the owner of X, formerly Twitter, has made a pledge that if your employer threatens your job over something you posted on his platform, he will pay your legal expenses. Here's a tweet from Elon Musk. If you were unfairly treated by your employer due to posting or liking something on this platform, we will fund your legal bill. No limit. Please let us know. So that's a message to every company out there. They have to, employers now have to think, wait a minute, if, if, we, uh, if we terminate somebody because they post something on X about transvestites or whatever subject is not permitted these days. And if we fire that person, Elon Musk is going to pay the legal bills to sue us. A billionaire is going to fund our former employees' lawsuit against us. So he, is, he has now sent a message to every employer. Think twice before you fire your employees for their posts on social media. I commend him. Hmm. Well, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see how it works. Yeah, he sells flame floors and shoots cars into space and digs tunnels that no one ever sees. You, you ever been in a must tunnel other than the one in Vegas? No. Were you in the one in Vegas? Yeah. You rode in it? Yes. You I rode in a Musk tunnel? Uh, yes, a Tesla tunnel. So there so, is a tunnel? Yes. Wow. No, I've never been in one of his tunnels. That's the only one I've seen. <laughs> I, like I don't to, think they exist. <laughs> I'd like to ride in the car he's shot into space. <laughs> That's the one I'd like to be. Hey, thank you for watching. Please make sure you watch tomorrow's True News. I got a big announcement for you. Uh, Doc's going to be away for a few days on vacation, and, uh, but I'm, I'll be here holding down the fort. But I've got a very special program for you tomorrow. I'm going to give you a great announcement about the platform that we have built. So make sure you come tomorrow and we're going to open up the doors to the public tomorrow. We're not going to wait. We're just going to do it tomorrow because it's going so well. And those of you who are already in the platform, don't forget Bible study, morning manna, 8 a.m. Uh, every Monday through Friday. And the number of people attending just goes up. We had another record number today. And um, my 
My faith claim is 1,000 people every day by December. That's what I'm asking God to give us, a a daily Bible study with 1,000 people in attendance in real time. Love you so much. See you tomorrow. God bless you. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.